0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for the final lesson in our series Ghost. In today's study of the Holy Spirit, lead Pastor David Fossil gives us a view on the gifts of the Spirit. Join us now as Pastor Dave helps us get a better understanding of what we need to know about the gifts and how they impact our spiritual journey.
1: Go ahead and take the program that's in your study guide, turn in your Bibles to page 813. Page 813, three. First Corinthians chapter 12, is where we're going to be this morning. As you're turning there, I want you to imagine with me for a minute the confusion that a caterpillar must experience. I want you to think about this for a minute. That The caterpillar's life consists of crawling around on the ground on a small patch of dirt, occasionally climbing up and down a plant. That's the extent of a caterpillar's life. It, one day, the caterpillar takes a nap. Takes a long nap. It, what goes through the caterpillar's mind when it wakes up and realizes it can fly? You know, when it looks around at itself and goes, where did that, you know, small, fat, chubby body of mine goes? Now I have a long, thin body with, with gorgeous wings. It must be just amazing astonishment what the Caterpillar experiences. You know, it's much like what believers should experience. When we realize that God, the Holy Spirit, chooses to come and live and dwell within us when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, and, and He gives us a brand new spiritual heart. This is what this series is about. It's, it's meant... It is intended to try and challenge us and make us astonished and incredibly thankful for what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We've been in it for a couple of weeks now. Now, if you haven't been with us, let me just real quickly show you what we've gone over. Let's put it up on the screen. A couple of terms that we have learned. We've talked about the deity, of the Holy Spirit. That was week one. That's just a fancy way of saying that the Holy Spirit is God. And it's very important to understand that it's central to a lot of our Christian beliefs. The second thing that we talked about is being born or baptized of the Spirit. And uh, that that is the idea that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the, the Bible tells us that we are born in the Spirit. Now, once you're born in the Spirit, something completely different is being filled in the Spirit. Being filled in the Spirit is when you give your life and compartments of your life to Christ. I can ask for his forgiveness, believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's point number two, being born of the Spirit. But then comes the decision to give my finances to him or my dating life to him or how I speak or, you know, all these different areas of my life. That is being filled with the Spirit. And the reality is, I mean, let's just be honest. You can be a follower of Jesus Christ but still be holding on to something you're not willing to give him. Right, So we are challenged to yield, give our life over to him, be filled. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then number four, you should be producing fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that last week. There should be things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that are coming from you. They're just kind of oozing out of you. And if they are not oozing out of you, you need to go back to point number three. You are not yielding your life to Christ. The way God intends you to. Now, what we're going to wrap up today, if you want to listen to any of that uh, that we've covered in the last four or five weeks, you can just go listen to the podcast online. We're going to talk about point number five, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and kind of walk through that. First Corinthians chapter 12 is we're going to spend most of our time. Um, verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts off, and here's what he says. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be Ignorant. Let me just stop right there real quick. I actually saw bumped into a survey this week that indicated that 87% of Christians do not understand spiritual gifts or they can't name what spiritual gifts they had. And I thought, wow, that's an incredibly high number. Um, even if it was 20%, it would be worth discussing. But if it is even close to 80 85%, I mean, that's almost concerning. And so, you know, it's especially significant that we understand what's going on here. He picks it up in verse 4, and Paul says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but there's the same Holy Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service or different ways you can volunteer, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are different kinds of working and where you can serve and plug in. But the same God works all of them in all men. One of the things I did to prepare for this series is I read a book that Brent gave me called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. He used to be a pastor in Southern California. It's very interesting what he said. He said this in this book, If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that in the context of your life. How true this is or not. Now, maybe you haven't done it intentionally, but, but this idea of understanding the Holy Spirit and living in the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit, understanding how he works and how I get in touch with the Holy Spirit, is significant and very important to your walk as a follower of Christ, especially in the context of Corinthians 12, 1, where Paul says, you know, there's a lot of things we talk about in church. The one thing I don't want you to be ignorant about, you better understand spiritual gifts and you better know what spiritual gifts you have. So for some of us, this is just the beginning. We may need to have to do some study on our side. Or figure out what else we need to f- understand about about spiritual gifts. Now, in your study guide, f- four or five things I want to make sure you understand. The first thing is just a basic definition. Of what is a spiritual gift? Let's put it up on the screen. Spiritual gifts are nothing more than abilities given by God to do his work on earth. That's a very basic definition. Abilities that God gives us so that we can further his purposes. We can do his work here on earth. Now, in the past when I've taught on this, I didn't come up with this. But I thought it was very helpful. If you want to try and figure out where to plug in, what you need to figure out is what your shape is. I'm not talking about your physical shape here. I'm talking about your spiritual shape. And, and, And here's what shape stands for. The S stands for spiritual gifts. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to try and help you process which ones they are and what you might have and so on and so forth. The S stands for spiritual gifts. But that's not the only thing you need to consider. You also need to consider the H or your heart. Or your passions, what really catches your attention? What are you passionate about? So, for example, y- you may be gifted at teaching, spiritually gifted at teaching. But if you have a passion for children, it's better to help in a Sunday school class instead of teach a, a, an, adult son, a, an adult small group. So what your passion is and what your heart is, what gets you really excited is what you need to, you need to follow. And oh, by the way, be very careful that you don't impose your passion on someone else's passion because some people are really passionate about kids and other people are passionate about senior adults and some people are really passionate about the homeless. Some people are really passionate about sex trafficking and some people are really passionate about missions and other people. You just got to be careful. God gives us different passions. And the church of Jesus Christ should kind of have have their hands in dabbling in all these but it's okay if other everyone kind of focuses in on their own passion based upon their spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? Now, uh, one other thing that you need to really make sure and understand is you can can have a heart or a passion for something, but not be gifted at it. Have you seen this? You know, for example, I can I can be passionate about music. I gotta love music, but if I can't carry a tune, do you want me on the worship team? No, all God's people said. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You know, you have to understand that just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean that you should jump in and do it. You must just really enjoy it, you know. Um, so just ha- have that perspective and be honest with yourself, okay? The A is abilities. Now, this can be abilities you were born with. Some of you are born athletic, you know, and you just, you can jump really high and you can whatever, You're really fast. Some people are born, lightweight. other abilities are learned, I learned how to be good at computers. I learned how to be a good cook. I learned how to be a good carpenter, what, whatever. That plays a part in terms of where you plug in. And some of you have unique abilities that you're good at. You're, you're good at them. Okay? P is personality. Now, I'm not going to do some psychoanalysis here. There, there are all kinds of personality types. But just keep it real simple. Extroverts, introverts. Okay? basic personality types. You need to know who you are because that does play a part in terms of where you, you fit in. For example, the people that greet you on the way in are greeters or the ushers in the back. Just take a wild guess. Would we prefer them to be introverts or extroverts? Extroverts. That's the, just kind of a no-brainer, right? In fact... They, some, some ushers, they, they may forget to hand out the program, you know, not really walk you to your seat, you know, forget to do the offering. But they give you a hug and they make you feel welcome and you're glad you're here. That may be better than, you know, forgetting all those stuff. Now, ushers, I don't want you to do that. I'm just, this by way of illustration, helping you understand. So your personality does matter. The experiences as well matter. We all have life experiences. Good life experiences and bad life experiences. Um, Paul says in, in certain situations, even your bad experiences, if you use them correctly, if you take your entire shape and you shake it up, you'll find a unique spot for you to plug in and really be, make a significant contribution. But we're going to spend most of our time focusing on the S. But It's for your sake, it's worth looking at all of these in terms of plugging in somewhere. Now, Paul goes right away on in verse 7. He says, you need to understand that every believer has at least one of these spiritual gifts. So in verse 7, he says this. Now, each and every one of you, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. Now, let me just point out the obvious. Let me point out the obvious. The obvious is that everyone has at least one. Normally, you can identify one or two, but you have at least one. And then I want you to notice your spiritual gift is not for your personal benefit. No, your spiritual gift is for, right at the end, common good. In other words, God doesn't give me a spiritual gift so that I can be blessed. He gives me a spiritual gift. He gives you a spiritual gift so that we can be blessed. Huge difference. My gift is not for me. Your gift is not for you. It's for every one of us to participate, to enjoy, to to be a part of. Now... Just so you take your study guide. I do not have this on the screen. This is the value of having a study guide on the inside page. Look at it real quick. There's a chart there. I did not come up with this, but I found it to be incredibly helpful. It's kind of a chart talking about categories of spiritual gifts. Okay. on the right hand side, you've got the different spiritual gifts and then it's got the different categories. So, for example, you've got guiding gifts, things like pastor and leadership and administration. Guiding gifts are basically people that say, let's go in this direction. Or let's organize things this way. People who have guiding gifts, we tend to follow them because they're gifted in that way. Or you have people with influencing gifts. Evangelism, teaching, and preaching. The commonality there is they're good at talking. That's what they're doing. They they use their words to influence. Okay, And uh, those kind of people um, are, are good at that. Serving gifts. Mercy, pastoring, hospitality, healing, encouragement, and exhortation. These are people that are good at interacting with people. Whether it, normally it's smaller groups of people or even one-on-one, um, they're very good at that because of how, they're, how they've been gifted. Uh, different is the task gifts. These are people who do things behind the scenes. Uh, the scenes People with the gift of helps and giving and craftsmanship, which is basically building stuff or fixing stuff. Very important in the church. You know, That you don't necessarily have to interact with people But it's helpful to to have someone that can do that, right? Look at the last category, support gifts. Wisdom and knowledge and discernment, so on and so forth. These work in tandem with other gifts or other people so that things get accomplished. Now, when you look at that list, you should be able to go, yeah, I got that one and I got that one and circle them. Or, in some cases, scratch the ones out that you know for sure you don't have. And I'm going to be talking to you about how you figure that out at some point. But you need to know. I should be able to come to you and say, what are your spiritual gifts? And you should be able to say, it's this one and that one, and give me two gifts, right? Um, so it's very important to be able to do that. Now, I'm going to take in a little tangent. I, I wouldn't normally do this, but of all the Sundays, this is the Sunday to talk about it. I want you to look at the graph right at the bottom. Next to the end of support gifts, there's the one called tongues. or speaking in tongues, okay? Um, It may interest you to know that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is all about prophecy and speaking in tongues. Um, like I said, I would never take an entire Sunday to talk to you about this, but occasionally there's people that ask me about this and what's going on here. Uh, let, let's talk about it for a moment, okay? What the gift of speaking in tongues in, and what is all the controversy, and why are people have all these questions and confusion? Let's just, let's just talk about it calmly for the next five to ten minutes, okay, so we understand. Um, let's put it on the screen. Let me start by giving you a definition, A definition of this gift is is nothing more than the divine enablement to pray or give praise in a language not known by the speaker. It is first introduced in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they start to, quote, Use the gift of speaking in tongues, okay? And what's interesting is that many thousands of people were in Jerusalem for a special holiday that had come from thousands and thousands of miles away, and these Jewish people are speaking in tongues, and these foreigners recognize the language. It's their own language from way back home, and so they can understand what's going on. It's someone having the ability to speak in a tongue or language that they don't know. So if I suddenly broke out into German... I've never learned German. I've never studied German. That would be the gift of tongues. Now, there are some, based upon a, a, a little inference in 1 Corinthians 13, that say that it's not only a known language, but it could also be a heavenly or a praise language. I'm not going to argue with them on that one. It, it is what it is. People have different opinions there. Nevertheless, why the fuss? What's the confusion? Why does everybody get all hot and bothered about this? Let me give you the three or four reasons. And I, I gave you one whole page. You can jot this down if you want. If not, just follow along with me. Here's the reasons. First of all, some people just think it's flat-out weird. If you've never been to a church, a Pentecostal or charismatic church, and you show up and people start speaking in tongues, you might think it's weird, right? And some people get a little freaked out by it. And I guess what I want to say to you about this is that, you know... um, there's a lot of things that are weird, you know? I, I think Donald Trump's hair is weird. I think, it's, I think it's weird that they put all that cotton in the bottle, in, in, in the Tylenol bottle, you know? I think it's weird that the airlines really get freaked out about, you know, your, your, uh, your suitcase being one or two pounds over the limit, you know? You know, but they don't weigh the people. That's weird to me, you know? I think it should be like a combo weight, you know? <laughs> I think it's weird that you watch a DVD and the first thing they say is this this movie has been reformatted to fit your TV. Well, to me, that's duh. You know, I was watching on a big screen. Now it's on this size, right? There's a lot of weird things in life. But here, let me just say this. Just because something is strange to you or weird doesn't make it right or true. So back off just a little bit on this one, okay? Maybe you haven't experienced it before. Doesn't mean it's not real and authentic, okay? Second is because, now this is a big one. Some people, Christians, believe that the gift of tongues has actually ceased. That it is not a viable gift for this church, for for the church today. That it was only for the early church. You maybe have not studied this, but there are very smart, Very godly people that know the Bible much better than you and I combined. And when they study it, the conclusion that they come to is that it is a gift that will show up right at the end times, but it was only specifically used at the beginning of the church. Okay? Now... I don't happen to agree with that. I still think it's a viable gift today for Christians today. But some people believe that. And you can see how if someone does believe in tongues and someone says that, that, here comes the controversy. There goes the argument, right? Look at the next one. Some people claim it's proof, the gift of tongues is proof that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for some people, these are fighting words. Because this is how it comes across. Well, you're saved and I'm saved. But I have a closer connection to God than you do, because I speak in tongues and you don't. Now, they never say it that way, but that's what's implied. And someone who isn't confident in their walk with the Lord, they can get very defensive when, when, when this kind of thing comes up. If you want to prove that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to have this gift, right? And then the last one, that why all the fuss, is because some say it's typically misused. Now, I'm not going to read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you can read it. And Paul, in Corinthians 14, gives us some very clear directions on how the gifts should be used. And this is what he says. He says, first, only one at a time. Only one at a time. Which means and implies that you can control it. Because if you're speaking in tongues and all of a sudden I want to speak in tongues, Paul says, no, one at a time. So I should be able to control it. It's not just something that, oh, oh, here it comes, I can't control it, right? No, you can control it one at a time. Second of all, always, always, always an interpretation. That's what he says in Corinthians 14. And then he says, only three during one church service or one church gathering. Now, I've been to many Pentecostal churches. I have a lot of charismatic uh, Christian friends Uh, Maybe I've gone to the wrong church. I have never, ever seen it done according to Corinthians 14. Ever. Uh, And all I'm saying is this. That's the problem. This is the fuss. No matter what side you're on on this position, this is why this is a controversial gift. Now, here's where it really gets practical. Why don't we do it here at Bay Hills? I mean, if we did what Paul says in Corinthians 14, why couldn't we just do it the right way? Okay, there's actually some reasons. OK, let me help you understand. Let's put them on the screen. First of all, it's because of our history or our denomination. You may not know this. We don't make a big deal about this. We are part of a denomination or, you know, kind of a group of churches called the Evangelical Free Church of America. And there are thousands of churches around the country like that. It's a good group. Okay, we don't make a big deal about it, but it's a good it's a good group. Historically, practically, uh, theologically, Uh, stylistically, we have never been a charismatic type of a church. Never. We're not saying that we're anti-charismatic at all. But in our personality, that's not who we are, okay? In fact, if I changed my mind on spiritual gifts and on speaking in tongues and all the sign gifts, if tomorrow morning I went from this position and I went all the way over to here and decided, you know what, we got to do it all the time every Sunday, you know what I would do? Instead of trying to convince all of you to agree with me, the wiser thing to do would be to find a church that I agree with. Because it causes way too much division when people do that, right? When they're trying to change the other person's position. You just have to understand our, it's not who we are as a church. The second of all, because of the gift itself. First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul makes it very clear that the gift of speaking in tongues primarily benefits the individual, does not primarily benefit the congregation as a whole. So... By the way, there are people in this church right now that speak in tongues, that have that gift. And it's fine. We've had elders that speak in tongues. And you know what we say? Do what Corinthians 14 says. Use it for your private uh, edification and your personal devotional time. We're, We're not really the kind of church that does it Sunday morning, but use it for yourself and be blessed by it. That's great. That's fine. Okay? The last one, why don't we do it Sunday morning, is because of that last one, okay? They do it privately, but maybe not publicly, because our ministry strategy. We don't talk about a lot this Let me just be honest with you about what we're trying to accomplish Sunday morning. What Terrence is trying to accomplish Wednesday night in our public meetings, okay? We're trying to do two things. One, I'm trying to stretch those of you who are already Christians. I try and do that every week. You know, give you something to stretch you, really make you think and chew on, try and stretch you. But the second priority that Joy and I try to do when we're planning the service is not just stretch the Christian, but help the person who's not yet a Christian get closer to Jesus. There are people, first service, second service, and this service right now that are not saved. Openly about it. They're just checking this Jesus thing out. And we're glad they're here. And we're trying to help them get closer to Christ. And as best as we can tell, the gift of tongues gets in the way of doing that. Why do I believe that? Because of what Acts chapter 2 says and Corinthians chapter 14. When unbelievers saw that gift in Acts, they thought that the Christians were drunk. When unbelievers saw that gift in Corinthians, they thought that the Christians were crazy. Now, maybe it's just me, but that's not the kind of image we want to be projecting on Sunday morning, is all I'm saying. OK, so what would happen if someone on a Sunday morning stood up and started to speak in tongues? What would we do? Would like an usher come and tackle him? <laughs> now, that would be worth than a Facebook post about, right? You're not going to believe what happened in second service. Would we do that? No. What would we do? We would do exactly what the Bible says we're to do. We'd wait. We'd listen. And then I would say, does anyone have an interpretation? That's what I do. And then after the service, I would explain these things to them and say, hey, that's great that you have this gift. This is kind of who we are and who we aren't. If you feel that you absolutely have to do that and you can't be in church without doing that, i got some pastor friends within 5, 10 minutes of this church that would love to have you in their church, but that's just not who we are, you know, and we're cool, you know. So just, you know, I, I guess what I want to say about all this, and I'm going to just wrap it up with this, is don't attack someone who agree, disagrees with you on this issue. Don't argue with them. It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't make us look good. You know, just relax and chill out a little bit. So what if they disagree with you, okay? The second thing is be a little bit humble about your position. Um, let me just openly say, I could be wrong about this. This is not one of those big issues like the authority of Scripture or the person of Christ that I'm, I'm going to go to town with. If you come up, I'm going to go to town with you hard on that. This is something, you know, I could be wrong on this one. You know, and if I'm wrong and and you're right on this position, when we get to heaven, I'll I'll buy you steak. You know, I actually said that about 10 years ago and the the Monday morning after I said that, someone sent me an email and they said that they like their steak medium well, (laughs) which was their nice, kind way of saying they disagreed with me. I'm cool with that. Just chill out a little bit. We got, as Christians, we got so many more things to do than argue about this, okay? That's all I'm saying. So, are we, are we done with this? Can we just put it aside for another 10 years and I'll come back with it? Okay, let's go back to the front page. Let's go back to the front page. Let me keep going through these points. Point number three, all gifts are important and necessary, says the Apostle Paul. All gifts are important and necessary. Verse 21, he says this, the I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker, they're indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Now, some gifts may be more visible, but all gifts are significant and important. Every single gift is important. So let's just pretend. Saturday comes along, and we're going to have a church work day down the street at our old facility. And what we're going to do is we're going to paint the church. We need, the outside needs a paint job. The inside needs a paint job. So we get 20, 30 people down there. We're, we're scraping and we're, we're, you know, we're patching and we're, we're you know, taping and then we're painting. I mean, we're doing the whole thing, right? About halfway through the morning, someone spills a big bucket of paint, right? Someone spills a bucket of paint. So someone comes along, first person that comes along is the person with the gift of mercy. And they put their arm around the person and they go, it's okay. This could happen to anyone. I've spilled paint before. It's all right, you know? Why do they do that? Why do they respond that way? Because their goal is to encourage the person, you know, to make them feel better, you know, emotionally. Right. On the other hand, the person with the gift of teaching comes along and says, let me explain to you why you spilled the paint. You see, the way you were holding it was wrong, you know, and there's that little hook on the on the ladder. That's what you should be using that. Why? Because those of us with the gift of teaching, we want to explain things. You know, and here's three points to do it better next time, right? Gift of teaching. They all start with the same letter and you can fill in the blanks, right? Gift of teaching, right? person with the gift of help walks around, they don't say anything. They just start cleaning up because that's who they are. They don't have to say anything. They just, there are people like that, right? They just put me anywhere. I'd love to help. Just tell me whatever you need to do. I'd love to help. Gift of helps. Then the problem with the gift of administration comes along. And they realize that that one person isn't going to clean it up by themselves. So they go, why don't you go get the paper towels over there and help them clean it? And why don't you go get the mop and bucket? And we're going to need to mop this up here in a second. And here, let me give you 30 bucks. Why don't you go to Home Depot and get some more paint because we're going to need some more paint. Because why? People with the gift of administration want to organize things. They don't just want to do the right thing. They want to do it the right way. You know, do it organized, right? Then the person, you know, with, with, with the gift of, of prophecy comes along and goes, I knew this was going to happen, you know. <laughs> you know. By that time, the person with the gift of leadership shows up and goes, what is everybody doing standing around? Okay, show's over. Let's get back to work. Go, go, go. Right? Because if you have the gift of leadership, you want to conquer the hill and you want to get things done. But everyone is necessary and everyone is important in this thing that we call church. The Bible says we're a family. Corinthians 12 says we're a body. We're a team is basically what it says. You know, now, on, on most teams, there's always certain players that are more visible than others. You watch a football game, the quarterback seems to be more visible than everyone else. But if you've played football or if just you've just watched it for a couple minutes, you instinctively know that while the quarterback may be the most visible player on the team, they're not going to score any touchdowns unless there's the fullback or the linebackers protecting them, or the wide receivers catching the ball. Okay, the quarterback's more visible, but every member of that team is important. And let me just say this to you. Some of us, this point is incredibly important for those of us who maybe have low self-esteem, or those of us who grew up in families that think that, you know, we were never encouraged, or maybe we were put down. This is so important, because you're just sitting, thinking to yourself, they don't, they don't really need me. Look, look, the show they're putting on without me. Things are going great. And here's what you need to understand. You may not have one of those visible positions, but we are not scoring as many Jesus touchdowns as we could without you. It's just that simple. We could be doing more for the kingdom. And so the point, and it's coming up, is figure out a place to plug in because everyone's important. Everyone's necessary last couple number four use your gift with the right attitude now for those of you who are already serving This is incredibly important because some of you showed up this morning and you thought in the back of your mind I've already heard this before blah 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 listen carefully now because this is for you Okay You have to not only serve but you have to do it with the right attitude the attitude matters, okay? Now, I want you to notice 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at it in your Bibles real quick. I just want you to look at the title. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do you see it there? It's entitled Love. Love. You know when this chapter is most often read? At weddings. Have you ever been to weddings? Oh, let's read 1 Corinthians 13. It's, love is patient, love is kind. This is not enviable, it's kiss. This is such a wonderful passage. Wait, wait one minute. Everything you know instinctively about the Apostle Paul, is he the kind of guy that's just kind of floating around, he's talking about this, and all of a sudden he goes and talks about this? No. He's very systematic, and he's going through an argument and trying to lay out his point. So let me just show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see it? Right there, it's entitled Spiritual Gifts. Clearly, it's about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, clearly about spiritual gifts. He pinpoints the gift of prophecy and gift of tongues. So I'm just saying, if chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts, and chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts, just take a wild guess, what do you think chapter 13 is really about? It's not about marriage, I'm sorry. Can we apply it to marriage? I guess but the primary reason he has it in there is spiritual gifts and the point he's trying to make is very simply when you use your gift do it with the right attitude tina turner wanted to know what's love got to do with it and paul would say everything <laughs> have you ever served with someone and they got a crappy attitude you know what i'm talking about well it, it can be it can be in one of the children's ministry it can be on a school board it can be in little league it doesn't matter where they're volunteering. They're, they're getting the job done. But their attitude is horrible. You know what I mean. They're constantly sighing. <sighs> and they roll their eyes. When are we going to be done? You know? They're working in the nursery. When are these parents going to pick up their brats? When are they going to... By the way, if you do have a kid in the nursery, they're fine. I walked, walked by. You know, they do the minimum. You know, they're constantly pointing out what didn't get done, what could have been done better. We're so-and-so. They flake out again. You know what I experience and what every staff member experienced? We have people drop out of ministry. They stop volunteering. Why? Because they don't have a gift? no. Because they don't like the ministry? No. Because there's someone on that team that has a poisonous attitude. I can't handle it anymore. Got a little passionate there, sorry. <laughs> please, 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 just check your attitude, you know. Don't serve out of obligation. Don't serve because you feel like the pastor's twisting your the screws. Don't do it because God's gifted you. And when you do it, do it with an attitude of love. You know, you're not doing it to impress me or impress some. You're doing it, I love Jesus. And if someone else flakes out, they flake out. And if it doesn't work out, great, it doesn't work. I'm doing it because I love Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it with the right attitude. Let me just also say, it, you know, that person on your team that's got that attitude that maybe could change a little bit, don't bail because of them. That's a horrible reason to stop You know, serving God. Okay, last thing. Let me let you go after this. Number five, God expects you to discover, to use, and to strengthen your gift. He expects you to discover, to use, and strengthen your gift. How do you discover your gift? Trial and error. Just try something. Just try. See what happens. You know, ask someone, what do you think I'm good at? They'll tell you. You know, I think you're good at this. Maybe not so good at that, you know. Um, If you want, you could take a little assessment or a little test. We actually have it on our website. You know, bayhills.net, you can download the the assessment, the test, fill out a couple questions, add add up the scores. Oh, look, it looks like I'm good at that. But figure out what you're good at. I'm going to say it again. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I should be able to come up to you and say, what are your top two spiritual gifts? And you should be able to say um, mercy and helps. You should be able to say that. My wife, administration, and and, and helps. Me, teaching and, and leadership. You should be able to, boom, just like that. You know, and serve according to how God's gifted you. Okay? Which is the second point. Use the gift He's given you. Does it just seem weird? If it's your birthday, someone gives you a birthday gift, you never open it. That would be weird. I wonder if God ever feels like that with us. He gives us a gift, expects us to use it for his kingdom, we never open it, we never use it. Use your gift. I'm not saying you gotta volunteer twenty hours. For you, it may be Usher, thirty minutes. You're already here! All you got to do is this, hand out the program, put up some chairs, boom, you're done. You know? For the rest, it might be a little more time, right? Look at the backside of your study guide. Last thing, every time we talk about that, we give different positions that are needed. This time, instead of describing the position, we actually gave you the gifts that would be helpful to fulfill this position. So children's workers and assistants, and we gave you a couple gifts this is, uh, th- th- that would be helpful. This is everything from teaching to helping to doing crafts. Some of you are great at that stuff, and you love kids, you know. Um, children's events coordinator. We had someone said, I, I don't mind once a quarter helping with a big event. Youth leaders. Terrence could use a couple more small group leaders and someone to be in the parking lot, you know, you know, security, making sure kids aren't running away, and, you know, whatever. You know, uh, that doesn't happen a lot. I'm just saying. I'm just, uh, we need them there, right? Get back in youth group, okay. Um, Sunday, tear down help. Okay. First and second service, I didn't bring, bring this up. I'm going to bring it up right now. You see, Sunday, tear down help. You know what happens 15 minutes after the service ends, third service? After the crowd is out, we start taking down about half the chairs. We start taking down some of the curtains, and all the front lobby gets taken down. You know what would be great? If for 15 minutes you hung out, talked to a few people, and helped out. Because you know what? We all we, we all would love to go to lunch, too. It doesn't, it takes about 30, 35 minutes. It's not a long time. You're already here. Just hang out for another 30 minutes. Talk to Brigitte, talk to to, to Joy and help us out, okay? Um, The Saturday setup team, you know, this doesn't just, you know, Joy doesn't just like blink his eyes and this all, you know, happens. You know, we need a couple extra people. Small group host, small group facilitator, worship team tech, prayer team. Here's all I'm saying. What's your gift? What's your gift? Figure out where to plug in. That's it. Very simple. I'm not going to hit, hit you over the head. Just figure where to plug in. Okay? Um, last point. He says he wants to strengthen your gift. That very simply is get better at it. There's a reason that every single month I read at least one leadership book, whether it's a Christian or a business book, once a month at least. There's a reason I'm constantly trying to learn how to do communication and teaching better. I, I, I study people, I read. Why? Because I want to try and improve on what God's given me. Let me wrap up and say this. Some of you may not know the name Mordecai Ham. Maybe you've never heard that name before, Mordecai Ham. But Mordecai Ham, because he chose to use his gift, because he chose to obey and serve God to the best of his ability, Literally, what, quote, little he did has changed the world. Mordecai Ham, years and years ago, served in a small church. He taught boys Sunday school. I think it was fifth and sixth grade class. It wasn't a big class. But after one of his lessons, Mordecai gave an invitation for people to accept Jesus Christ and to give their life to God. And in that class, a little boy by the name of Billy Graham accepted Jesus Christ because Mordecai was faithful to God Billy Graham has been able to literally influence this entire world can you imagine what would happen at Bay Hills in the kingdom of God if all the Mordecai hands were willing to help out and to serve according to their gifts you know what email we gave you an email fill out your connection card Grab me or Brigitte or one of the staff members afterwards and say, here, plug me in somewhere. I I just, I want to encourage you. For for the sake of God's kingdom, let's score as many God touchdowns as we can. But for that to happen, everybody needs to play a part. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we uh, wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, we want to thank you for what you've taught us. And uh, as we talked this morning about spiritual gifts, I pray that we would be challenged to plug in. But um, just as we wrap up, I especially want to thank you for the spiritual gifts that you gave us of your son Jesus Christ and the salvation that you gave us through the cross. Frankly, Father, none of this else matters without that gift. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted the gift of Jesus, but you would like to, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Dear God, I believe that Jesus was your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And I want him to come into my life to forgive me and to change me. Father, such a simple prayer. But for those who prayed it sincerely and honestly, whether they feel it or not. Father, I pray that they would know that they are now born of the Spirit. I pray that whether they feel it or not, that they would know that, God, you can change and transform us from that little cra- that little caterpillar to a butterfly. Father, I want to thank you for this church, for Bay Hills. We are far from perfect we got all kinds of issues and we got problems here and there, but as best as we can, we are trying to serve you and we are trying to point people to you. And as we wrap up this study on gifts, I, I pray that um, it's, it's just so easy to slip in and sleep slip out every week. And I just pray that you would touch people today and they, they would take that little extra step to say, you know what, I want to plug in. Father, I also pray that you would remind us that it's not just within these four walls that we serve. But when we're Little League coaches and soccer coaches and when we serve at the hospital and volunteer and when we're on the school board and all these community volunteer positions, Father, remind us that if our goal is to point people to you, that counts as well. That counts. And I pray that as we serve in these different situations that you would give us the opportunity to tactfully and tenderly point people to you and let them know why it is we do what we do. And why it is we say the things that we say. Father, you are a good God. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that comforts us, that guides us, and that empowers us. Father, may we be a church that does not ignore your Holy Spirit. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name.
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ.